every life has a story. And every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Tonight my guest is a great man of God whom I met uh, while I was ministering in a recovery house, in a transition house. Men transitioning out of uh, addiction, out of jail and integrating back in society. Well, this particular gentleman and minister of the gospel, he went inside prison to minister to these guys. And then as they came out, he also continued to love them and just minister to them. But there's a lot more to his story than just that. That's just a little glimpse. Uh, it's an absolute privilege to have here at Kingdom Stories tonight with me, Les Bridley. Les, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Natalia. So I think that's the first time I met you. Yes. At uh, Joshua, yeah, Joshua House. House. Maybe, yeah. That's right, yeah. You were ministering yeah, that's and you right, were singing yeah. away yeah, and yeah. leading the men into worship. That's right, yeah. They've got a powerful voice, haven't they? It's beautiful. They do. Wonderful. Yeah. There's something about guys coming together, isn't it? It is. It's lovely. It's powerful. Yeah. Australia does suffer from that uh, in, the, in terms of fatherless, probably one of the most fatherless nations in mm. the world, which is rather sad. I'd say so. I recognize that the time. How long have you been in Australia? Since 1997. 1997. That's when we came as a family, but yeah. I came to Australia before that. Just as a visit? Traveling. I, I was um, in 1988. I wow. actually uh, I sold everything and I sold my motorbike, my car. That was a bit of a struggle thinking, oh, I wanted to keep it and go traveling. But I thought I had to get the money. So I sold it and then got the money and then went traveling. From England, yeah? From England, yeah. Born in England? Born in England, yeah, very, Manchester. Okay. Dad's, you know, my dad's English, sergeant major in the army, oh. very regimented. That's why you're shaving daily. And, and uh, no, well, actually, yeah, I suppose now my dad's, I suppose he's not in, not in charge, I suppose, but hey, hopefully another dad's in charge. Oh, yes. Anyway, my mum was from Germany, and she's oh. actually in Germany under, I suppose, well, under Hitler's regime, she was under that, and I went through a lot of, Good story before my mum died. I, I talked to my mum lots about that. How did they meet up? In Germany, after the war. My father, you know, sergeant major in the army. Then he got regiment. He sent over to, after the war, yeah. to Germany. And uh, in Essen, I think my mum was there. And that's where she was born. And they actually, uh, she was in the NAFI. You know, she was serving drinks, coffee. And I think, I'm not too sure, but I think maybe uh, a pair of stockings and a bit of chocolate would have won my mum over. You know, I don't know why, what he did. <laughs> I didn't ask him about that. But. He did well. He did well. He did well. She's a beautiful, yeah, she's a beautiful woman. And you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, brothers. My older brother, Eddie, 73. Eddie's yeah. actually uh, the one, maybe I could give a story about my beautiful, beautiful brother. I love my brothers. You know what I mean? Eddie is 73. Richie, he's actually 66. But, you know, I remember actually coming to Australia and I was going to think about going to college to learn about really the Lord. I remember someone, I was asking, oh, I just... I remember when I asked this person, I said, where do you stand on the fear of God? You know, we all have fears, yeah. and I don't know what you are, but we all have fears. Yes. The thing is, I chose my fear. I know I've chosen a fear that set me free, but I know all those other fears, definitely, I think, well, they come upon us because I think circumstance and sometimes the goodness of God allows us to 
receive our fears to realize it's not worth fearing, you know, because yeah. you realize. So I remember actually realizing that I don't know, you know, where we really stand as brothers. I mean, obviously we, hopefully you'd be able to stand for me, but I know my brothers as, when I say evil as they are, they're ungodly, you know. I love yeah. my brothers, but I was, I'm in the same character, but I know they've made a telephone call, they come and help me. Yeah. And it's a beautiful feeling, you know, when you've got brothers who, you, you know, you think you can trust. Mm. You've never done the wrong, well, actually, you know, I'll think about that on the other side. Richie, and I'm going to say if Richie ever hears, I remember, didn't tell him, but when I was actually, before 13, I thought, I want to kill my brother. Because <laughs> Richie, remembers, I don't know, my mum used to come home, the uh, the curtain rings had gone. She said, where's the curtain ring? And I thought, oh, I don't know. And where's my food colouring gone? And then my brother came in, we had his ring through his nose, oh. and he had green hair, you know, punk rocker time. And he was actually fairly nasty towards me. I thought, I'm going to kill him when I'm older. And then I remember just actually realising I had this compassion for him. I don't know, when I was about 13, I thought, wow. I just felt compassion for him. I don't know why, but I just lost that hatred and lost that, you know. But it's been beautiful. We never, we never talked about that. Maybe. So three brothers? No, two brothers, two Richie, brothers. Eddie, and my sister. Jeanette. Oh, and the sister. I went travelling with my sister from 1988. We went on a one-way ticket around the world, and I travelled with my sister around the world. It's beautiful. Nice. Janet, she's down south. And when he came from the army, um, your dad was still in the army as you were growing up? No, no, my dad was always uh, not well when I, 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 all I can remember of my dad is um, actually his foot, he had his, uh, he was, I'd say alcoholic, mm -hmm. you know, his, he had a hole in his foot. And all I remember is the nurse used to come, Nurse Sutton, and he had a hole in his foot and she kept ministering at home, she'd come to him. From the war or from injuries? No, no, he stood on a nail, I think in the shed, but I think it's also his alcohol, I'm not too sure, but obviously he didn't get it clean properly. And then when he did infected. get it clean, it was too late, he was infected. He had a hole almost right through his foot. She used to put dressing on there. And I remember she used to say to him, because I used to go to the top shop, that's uh, the, for my dad's drink, go and buy Newcastle Brown Ale and Capstan Full Strength cigarettes. I used to order them and then the guy come and bring them. And so I didn't realize my dad was an alcoholic, but I remember I used to do that. My dad used to reward me, you know? Yeah. So now Nurse Sutton said, you're not drinking any again, Frank. And he said, he said, oh, you only live once. And I remember she said, Frank, that's not living. You know, my dad was actually now really ready to die. I didn't know he was going to die soon. But actually that took me on a journey from really asking my dad a question. Mm -hmm. So really, I don't know if you know, with Sergeant Majors, they generally are lovely, you know, they're very disciplined. They tell you what to do yeah. and they expect you to do it. Yeah. And if you don't do it, he had his belt or his fist. And I just thought, why don't you just obey him? They always reward you because I saw what he did to my brothers when he didn't. So for me, I was just an obedient boy. I thought, you know, yes, dad. And he rewarded me, you know, even when it comes to really when he died, I'm not too sure with uh, Richie and Eddie, but it's not easy to visit a dad who you believe is really brutal. You know, but I don't see him as brutal, but yeah. I understood that he was, when he drank, he did the wrong thing with my mum, to the brothers too. But again, he could, I'm sure he could always justify. But I remember actually, my dad, even when he died, you know, um, How old I was, were you? I was 13. Wow. And just before he died, I actually asked him, I didn't know he died, no idea. I just, hey, dad, where are you going? Where would you go when you die? And he looked at me, he said, son, he said, when you're dead, he said, you go back to the ground where you come from. You come from the dust, you go back to the dust. He said, get to bed. So I said, yes, dad, just went to bed. You know, almost like a yeah. little boy. Went to bed, but he called me over. And the only time I remember with the conversation with my dad was actually when he called me over just before he died. He didn't know he was going to die either, but he knew, obviously, time was, you know. He came and he said, son, he said, you asked me a question. I said, I did, dad. 
He said, you, you asked me, where do I go when I die? I said, I did. He said, I've been thinking about that, son. Mm. And he said, do you know what? He said, I've got no idea. He said, but I'll tell you what, if I can, I'll come back and visit you. I'll let you know what happens. I said, what? I remember I said, make sure you do, Dad. I shook his hand and we shook, I made a deal. And yeah. I knew my dad would do what he said. You know, yeah. I knew he was actually, yeah. Was so, his health deteriorating? Yes. Yeah, he, he was always, I mean, for me, he was downstairs now. He couldn't even walk runt stairs. The only one time I rebelled against my dad, one time, and that was me, I'm 13, and my dad said, where are you going, son? I said, oh, I'm off to the Salisbury Working Man's Club, Dad. He said, why are you going there, son? Well, my dad used to take me there and put me under the table. I never drink. I just sit there playing with bottle tops and cards. He's, and he said, why are you going there, son? I said, oh, Edmund, that's my cousin, adopted cousin. He said, he's going to play his guitar, and I'm going to be his Rory dad. He's going to do Elvis. I'm going to carry his guitar. And my dad said, and he's not gentle, my dad, but he said, you're not going there, son. And I said, I am, oh, I am dad. Oh, I am dad is rebellion. I wasn't rebellion. What I'm saying is, let's like, I was going to say, oh, I am dad. You take me every week. So how can I not go? He went for me. And I remember he was that ill, but he, was, he actually went and he came and I, I ran off quickly. I felt his hand on the back of my neck. <gasps> and, but I missed and I ran up the stairs that fast. I shot up there and I was double story house. And he, my dad's at the bottom and he was puffing. He couldn't climb the stairs. So he's that ill. And I was at the top of the stairs. Now rebellion kicked in. Now I'm thinking, I'm going to go for why I'm allowed, you know. So I'm 13, first time ever rebellion. And I'm, I'm now, I wanted to jump out the window, but it's a big two story house. And I thought, can't do that. I waited two hours for him to move. I waited. And I thought, I've got to go down. I'm locked. And I went downstairs expecting my dad with his belt or his fist, whatever, you know, whatever he wanted to do. I went down. He never said anything. But, you know, something happened to me when I actually, maybe stories, when I met the Lord, I remember coming back. Yeah. And I came back to the same bedroom where I was trying to get away from my dad. And I was there and I was thinking. And I remember actually when my dad died, my mum said, oh, son, he said, uh, you, you know, he's, you, your dad's left you his tape recorder. Mm. I thought, oh. So I don't think he did. I, my dad didn't do it well. I think my mum was just, you know, dishing out things. But she said, he's left you the tape recorder. I thought, oh, and I've got the tape. And when I played it, my dad was on there with his voice. Could hear his voice and he's playing his guitar, talking with his mates, having a few beers, you know, talking, yeah. having a nice time, you know, always playing jazz or blues. And So basically my dad's, and I was listening and I thought, and I was thinking, I was talking to the Lord, saying, you know, Lord, I'm so glad. And I was thinking about my dad. I thought, you know, I was never offended by the way my dad was, but I knew it wasn't right. But I remember saying, I said, Lord, I'm so glad. You know, my dad, he definitely regimented me two or three in the morning. I'd be up two or three in the morning. And my mum was saying, Frank, let me go to bed. My dad would come back from the pub and he'd say, son, get up. And I'd have to do my homework and he'd make me do my writing, you know, and I'd have to do excellent. And so he'd two or three in the morning. So my dad always did the right thing yeah. at the wrong time. Mm. You know, and sometimes maybe I'm like that. I think that's one of the problems with us, isn't it? We do things at the wrong time. But all I know is I was thinking about my dad and I thought, I said, Lord, I'm so glad my dad didn't leave me money. He had no money to leave, but he did leave me certain qualities, disciplines. And I was thinking, I'm so glad he left me, you know, and for what my dad left me, you know, he left me his tape recording. This voice, I've heard it say, I've left you the same. I thought, what? Mm. What do you mean you left me the same? And I was thinking my dad left me his tape recorder 
with his word on it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, the Lord was saying to me, I've left you my word. My tape recording. And I broke, I, I, broke, I broke down in tears and then I got revealed that my dad loved me very much. I didn't know, my dad never hugged me. You know, I'd give you a hug and a kiss, I'd hug and kiss anyone, but sometimes it's too affectionate, you know. But my dad never hugged me, never kissed me, never said he loved me. But I know all the Lord showed me the love that he had for me. So when I rebelled, when my dad said, you're not going there, and I said, oh, I am, dad. My dad didn't tell me, but the Lord showed me his pride couldn't say, listen, son, I'm 60. I'm 60 now. You know, you see, I'm 60. I made a mess of my life. I'm stubborn. I'm proud. You know, I've not done the right thing and I'm not really a good role model for you. And I can't let you go to the pub because you'll be like me, an alcoholic. But I can't really tell you because it looks like I'm a failure. So God, I'm not going to let you be like me. Wow. He never said that. All he said, he just went for me. Yeah. So I didn't understand, but you know, I understand later that, you know, it says evil as our dads are, give good gifts to the children. How much more would the heavenly father? So my dad disciplined me because of his own benefit. Yeah. But what I realize is we have a, definitely a, a father in heaven who disciplines us for our good. Mm. And I suppose it was, I really enjoy the fact that I was brought up with that regiment mentality. Yeah. I knew the goodness of my dad and I knew his severity. If I obeyed him, I remember he said, can you go to Top Shop, son? I said, oh, I'd make me run down to the shop, newspaper shop, long way, half a mile away. And he said, and he gave me 10 pence. I said, yes, dad, I run down there, pick the paper up, come back. He said, how much was that, son? I said, two and, two and threatened, dad. He said, how much you change? I told him, he said, you can keep the change. off. wow, send me again, send me again. So when it came to him, my dad dying, I remember, you know, my motives. I didn't cry when my dad died. And I remember going to school and he said, where have you been, Brindley? And I remember I thought, oh, and my dad died, you know. And they looked at me and they said, oh, and I thought, that's a good excuse. I can use that for a lot. I thought, I must be evil. You know, I thought, I remember telling my friend, I said, Willie, I think, I think I'm evil, Willie. He said, why? I said, because, you know, my dad just died and now they're asking me at school. You know, I've been wagging school. And I told yeah. them, it's because my dad's died. But I'm not, I like playing pool. I'm just enjoying myself. I didn't even cry when my dad died, you know. Mm. And Willie, you know, maybe brought up differently. So what I've realized is I didn't have a relationship with my father. You know, I didn't choose yeah. not to cry. I didn't yeah. choose to cry. I just yeah. didn't cry. But I cried. That was Late. when I was 20, maybe 28 when I came back from traveling. And the Lord showed me the love that my dad, my natural dad, had for me. But the Lord in heaven showed me his love in a marvelous way prior to that. Just fantastic. Wow. And yeah. how did your mom handle all of this? Well, my mom, she's beautiful. My mom put up with his uh, abuse. You know, she was incredible. She actually... My dad didn't work. She actually took care of the family, three children, Richie, Eddie. How Janet. she worked? Or? She worked as a cleaner domestic at the hospital. Wow. She worked diligently, nonstop. She was just an oh, amazing man. woman. Was she getting a pension from the war? or She did. She got my dad's pension too. So that was quite, you know, my dad died. She got my dad's pension. So that was quite good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, your teenage years? Oh, I suppose I didn't, uh, all I know is that when my dad died, it meant now, Actually, I was 13, my dad died. I remember laying in bed and I was a bit scared because I thought, but I thought my dad's died. And I remember I lay in bed and I, I knew instinctively, I shouldn't ask this question, but I still felt to ask it. My auntie dabbled in witchcraft. I didn't know that, but I, I know that my auntie told me stories that she got bought a, by Edmund, a nice family game, which was a Ouija board. She played on it and she ended up with more friends than she could cope with. She ended up in psychiatric care. So I knew about the spiritual side of life, but yeah. I didn't, I just thought, but now I was challenged because I thought my dad said he was going to come back. I should call upon him. 
and I was scared, I was 13, I had the covers and I thought, I, I leaned there, I said, Dad, come on, you can come back now. <laughs> I waited, I thought my dad was gonna come back. Yeah. He never came back. Yeah. So from there on, I went downhill. For me, it was uphill. I didn't realize I was going downhill. You know, when you're young, you're just enjoying yourself. Yeah. And I went from now being obedient to now just obeying anyone, peer pressure, whatever anyone wanted. When the police came to the door, and I'd been out maybe stealing, you know, pilfering or whatever, and my mum was crying. And I thought, oh, I've come too far, you know. So really that's what changed me when I saw my mum's tears. The nagging didn't work, mm. uh, Nathaniel, but when I saw my mum's tears, I suppose that maybe changed. And I wasn't really that bad, but I, it was at that time that, you know, you start maybe just um, doing the right thing. Wow. I started a trade at 16, I was a boilermaker welder. Okay. You know, I started that and I uh, actually didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had no direction. But I started as a welder, and then when I got to 25, I thought, gosh, this, you know. You worked for the, oh, all those years? Yeah, from Nine 16 years. to 25. So I was, you finished your apprenticeship? You finished oh, yeah, finished. Trade. Yeah, yeah. And I was working in Scotland last thing. I went out with this beautiful. Long hours, isn't it? Long hours, uh, 12 hours. What were you making? I was actually up on the, up on the, um, the paper. I don't know if you know, with making paper. Yes. They've got actually all the big sites, the big tanks, yeah. pipe work, all the machinery. So really, it's just replenish, repair, make all new stuff. So I, uh, the last job I was doing 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And that was for five weeks nonstop. Wow. Actually, actually, I think six weeks. And what that, were you doing with the money? Um, the money would have been good. It would have. But the thing is, when I finished at eight o'clock at night, at eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And then I'd go straight on the beer. I'd be straight out. I didn't spend much drinking because I would be gone after two or three beers, but yeah. it was free in Scotland. You could drink a yard of ale. If you drank it in a certain time, you got it free. So I just learned to drink fast and I was always drinking free. So I did save some money, but not that much money, I suppose. Um, That's interesting. Hmm. Not that I, I don't drink now. And I was yeah. thinking that and when you think about why I was drinking, it was always to be free. I was emotionally bound. I didn't realize I was. So bound. you'd be drunk every night. I would never, I remember meeting guys up on site who used to tell me they were going drinking, and, but they weren't getting drunk. They were just doing it to socialize. And I thought, what? Surely you drink to get drunk. That was yeah. that's all I knew, you know? So really I enjoyed drinking because I was happy and it gave me the freedom to try and be what I wanted to be. But I remember doing the wrong things that I wouldn't want to do because of the drink. So I did have quandaries about that. You know, I always remember, thought, why do I do this? <laughs> what was what I drink? So I knew there was certain habits that I did that I wouldn't normally do when I was sober. Yeah. Girls? Well, beautiful girl, uh, um, Elaine. I went out with Elaine for five years. Beautiful girl, inwardly and outwardly, you know. We in had a Scotland. good relationship. She, you know, I was in Scotland, she was in England. But now because I went out to Scotland for five weeks, I suppose we maybe didn't grow apart, but Elaine, I think she was into really the house, you know. I, I got engaged to Elaine, and I didn't realize when you get engaged, you're supposed to get married. I just did it to please her, you know. I thought, and now, and now she don't be married. You know, I, was, I wasn't against marriage. What I could see is I was always talking about the things you can't see. I was yeah. always intrigued about, you know, things you can't see. And Elaine was all about the house car, washing machine. I'm thinking, oh, I want that, Elaine. And so we really, we, we chose on a mutual, beautiful yeah. way, we separated. You know, my life fell apart. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't think. I thought, what's happened to him? My brother's answer, come on, Liz. It doesn't thought. work, Richie. There's a hole. And I was doing Taekwondo, lots of training. I used to train lots. So I never got drunk really too often, but I used to drink every Friday or every, you know, but when I was working on site, that was every night. I was just having a good time with the boys, you know. But after five weeks, you get enough of it. You think, ah, oh, you know, it's not, not for it. So me, I'd just do it maybe every Friday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. But then, 
Elaine, basically, we broke up. I couldn't eat, sleep, think. I remember feeling this emotional pain. I didn't have the worst this pain from Richie. Oh, you'll get over it. You know, it's just your first love, you know. And I, come for a drink. I said, it doesn't work. He used to take me skiing. I thought, Richie. And I was doing taekwondo at this church. We used to rent this hall in uh, Berry. And I remember seeing a book there. And I picked this book up. I thought, oh, I opened it up. some questions in there. I thought, wow, I've got to read this. Well, no one was there. So I took the book. And I meant to go back and put some money in the offering. But I never did. So really, I stole my first Bible. How did you stumble upon the, bar, the, the church? What, what took you inside the church? They rent the church out at night okay. to, in the hall to do taekwondo training. Oh, okay. So we were doing training in the yeah, hall. Okay. So that's really why I saw a Bible. I took yeah. it. And then I started reading it. And to me, it's like a manual thing. I, oops, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. So I closed it, but I kept it like a good luck charm. I thought, maybe, you know, because I was always... I remember Elaine once, beautiful Elaine. I remember, I didn't realize how bad I was. I thought I was always a good person, but I remember Elaine one time, she was never late, but this one time she was late. And I said, where have you been, Elaine? She goes, oh, I've been, oh, she said, my grandma, she's in the hospital. And I went home, Liz, and I went on top of my cupboard. I got my Bible and I prayed, and I knew she'd get better. And I remember saying, don't give me that crap. And she looked at me. She said, Liz, she had tears in her eyes. She said, Liz, you believe what you believe, but don't take away what I believe. And I thought, wow, why would I say that? Why? And I, I, I think now, you know, I just didn't even know the ignorance and evil that was directing me to yeah. say something like that. I'd never read the book. and yeah. I'm just, But I felt an atmosphere that the Bible was not good. I don't know. I'd obviously caught this atmosphere, you know, like. Yeah. So anyway, it was uh, actually because of that, Breakup. I actually, I, I thought, well, I've got to find some answers. And I packed in welding. I went to teacher training college. Because mm -hmm. I went to see my old teacher. I'm a TAFE, TAFE teacher now. I've been teaching here since 1997, you know, teaching at TAFE. And welding. I went back welding to welding, boiler making, engine, basic engineering, I suppose. Uh, but I went back to see my teacher when I was 25. And I asked him about what he thought in life. He thought, you thought about being a teacher, Liz? I thought, me? He said, yeah, you do. I always got top of the class, huh. you know, always yeah. top. My dad was always, always first in the class when I was younger. Then I went from, after my dad died, I went downhill to the bottom oh. of the class. But I was enjoying myself. I didn't know, you know, really, I had no direction. I was enjoying, but I knew I was getting kicked out from class to class, you know, down. Mm. So I was going downhill, but I didn't know that. Because obviously you don't measure your life by, I've got no one really to tell me. But I remember I went, to, I packed in, I went to teacher training college. And I remember my mum said, you can't do that. My mum's quite negative always. I said, mum, I'm going. I'm... And I went. And the beautiful thing, while I'm on the course, to get rid of the pain, I found another way, and that was actually by chasing lots of girls now. <laughs> and I was actually going from one table to the next. And I was pretending to do my homework. You know, I thought, well, I've got to do this assignment. I thought, wow, she's beautiful, you know. So I'd be on the table, and this guy was watching me. And I didn't realise, he's 40 years old. He was an old man. He was 40. Old man, because I'm 25. And he called me over. He said, I've been watching you, Les. I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, I used to be like you. I thought, what do you mean? He said, that's telling me I'm chasing. I thought, yeah. He said, but I've changed. And I'm thinking, why would I change? I'm enjoying myself. You know, this was my, I was really enjoying that. Yeah. Now, and he, he looked at me and he said, you know, he said, and he starts talking about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not into the Bible, more women and beer. But then he said, he reminded me that Jesus not only died, but he came back from the dead mm -hmm. three days later. And I thought, I'm 25, and I thought, my dad said he was going to come back. He never did. So if this Jesus died, he should answer me. 
So he told me all about the Bible. He told me about lots of stuff and it just went over my head. And I remember actually behind him was a guy, actually was, uh, I'm not into what that guy was into, but I remember the guy looked behind me, one of the teachers on the course, this is a student who was 40 telling me, the teacher behind him walked past and he went, Behind him, you know, I thought, oh no, he's up there. This is not cool because I was in. I wanted to be in everyone's books. I thought, so I, I almost didn't want to listen to this Christian guy, you know, because he went behind him and goes, Les, and I'm thinking, oh. But I remember he said to me, Jesus not only died but came back from the dead. I went home, 25 years old. I was embarrassed in my own company. So this is how I used to be: quite embarrassed, quite shy, very demonically bound, I believe. But anyway, I remember I was 25, and I thought, I went home and I thought. I got down on my knees in the bedroom. I heard yeah. this voice saying, get up off your knees. I thought, maybe that's my dad not very happy with me. But I said, hey, I said, God, I said, this guy told me, he said, I don't know if you're real, but he told me I've got to admit I'm a sinner. I thought, I'm a sinner. I'm quite a good one, actually. I was having a double conversation. I didn't know the Lord was yeah. listening. And then I said, he said, you not only said you died, you died for my sin. Jesus, you died for my sin and that you rose from the dead. I said, I believe. I thought, I don't know if I do. <laughs> but he said three days later, you came back. I said, my dad said he was going to come back and you should answer me. Then I said, he said, this guy told me I've got to make you Lord of my life. And I said, and I was thinking about the guys I was living with up in Scotland. The marriages were breaking up. And oh, Nathaniel, many men do this. They just like as if water off a duck's back. The marriages, you know, oh, yeah, my wife run off and all this blase. And I thought, I can't cope with this good pain. How do they cope? Yeah. I didn't realize they'd be at home crying themselves to sleep. Mm. Whereas I'd cry openly I, on anyone. I was quite an open book, you know? Yeah. So what I, I was thinking, I can't deal with this little pain. So my motive now was, said, I said, Lord, you can be Lord of my life. I don't want to make a mess of this life. The Lord showed me, I didn't give two hoots about God. I was bothered about me and the pain. And so now that was a start of something. Even though I had wrong motives, something happened. My sister at the time, now my sister Jeanette, she was actually breaking up with her boyfriend because he promised to go traveling with her and he wouldn't. And she phoned me up. My sister had been traveling for her. She said, I'm going traveling. I said, I'll go with you. And so that's how I started then. From there, I went traveling then with my sister, one-way ticket to America. So I arrived in America. I remember actually uh, got to America. Was this to escape or just to... No, just I wanted to, I wanted to answers. I was always looking. I was always, you know, I just thought... I was into lots of stuff. I was so always had no asking. commitments, no mortgage. No, no, no commitment, no mortgage. Just my bike and my car, which I had, and I sold you it, sold and I had the money. And what was your sister doing? My sister was actually she you, was part of a newspaper company. She used to do all the actual, uh, almost like typesetting. Yeah, but she was yeah very very involved with it. Everything really. She so she quit a job. She quit a job. Yeah. And we were traveling together, one way ticket to America. So you, you planned a year away or? No, of? didn't really plan. I, I had no, my sister was quite good at planning, but I didn't really have any plans, none. I just got a one way ticket. And I remember when I arrived in America, they said, where are you going? I said, Australia. They said, where's your ticket to Australia? I said, I've not got one. So you can't come unless you've got a, a ticket out of here. I yeah. thought, I've got some money. I showed my money and you know, they said, okay, you can get on, you know, cause really they're bothered that you're trying to, so really they must've thought I'm being honest, you know? Yeah. But then we had a great time, six months around America. And I remember Back I was, backpacking? No, just living. We bought, my sister's quite, why? She bought a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen Copy. Commodore bed. We sat in, we used to sleep on the Commodore, a little TV there. Yeah. And, and it was quite, it was lovely just sleeping wherever you landed and uh, anywhere and everywhere you could sleep. It's just yeah. beautiful. Oh, there's a lot of rest areas. Yeah. Beautiful. Lovely Lovely time. Parks. 
But I was you actually, went across? Oh, I went all right. I went to from New York. We arrived in New York. And I remember actually when we got up there, you know, just I didn't realise that I'd trust anyone and everyone, you know. But I remember we got there and we got off the Graham bus and the guy said, Sloan House, YMCA. I thought, wow, he knows where we're going. So he, <laughs> he said, you know, never met the guy and he picks our bags up. He says, Sloan House, YMCA. And we're walking along and he took us down these dark alleys and I'm thinking, I said, hey, are you working for Sloan House? He says, no, this is walk service. I thought, oh, and I realised, you know, they just want it. You want some money from yeah. me, you know. So anyway, you, you learn very quickly, you know. You become quite street smart. But they were beautiful. I, I suppose I trust anyone. I was quite easily... Uh, I remember once when they were going to mum me in Fiji. I remember I had my guitar. I had no money. I had not much food. And I remember these guys said, oh, we'll, I lost all my friends. I said, oh, have you seen my friends? Oh, we'll take you. And there were yeah. a lot of guys, five guys. said, we'll show you. They took me down, took me down. They were going to rob me. I said, I remember, I said, you're going to rob me? I said, do you want to see what I eat? I got my backpack. I said, and in the end, they actually, they did, they actually <laughs> it was lovely, you know, because they think you're obviously very rich, you know, because they've got mentality. And when they realize you're in the same books, you know, people, yeah. So you did US, Fiji? No, US, Barbados, Canada. So we drove all around America for six months, through Mexico. I remember in Mexico, I remember it being with uh, lots of, uh, there were 12 of us, and I was actually... This full, is late 80s. Yeah, 88, yeah. For a bit of fear, you know, people start telling you stories about yeah. bandits and, you know, obviously. But went through Mexico. It was good value for you. Oh, well, fear. I think fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Okay. A lot of people create fears. I mean, you, want to, you don't want to go to Perth, Australia. You know, you have no arms there, don't you? You know, and when they hear that, you know, if they hear a story... So you drove the combi into... We drove the combi into, into Mexico, Mexico. And all they wanted, I remember one night, you know, they always want to bribe. And I remember one night, I remember I was, I had no money now. I remember a dollar was like a thousand dollars to me now. You know, I was like, one dollar's like... And I remember the federales came, we slept on the beach, in, in, or we on this middle of the... near Mexico, but basically on this, like, seemed like a beach area, you know, with, with two, a camp camper van and another one and the federales came and they actually and i remember they jumped off the back of the truck with guns and they said gringo dollar dollar and i'm thinking uh no comprehendi i knew exactly what they wanted but i said no comprehendi they said inglesi uh, no they said uh, gringo dollar dollar i said no i said inglesi man united i said cup of tea comet copy comedy amis like i was asking what they're cup of tea do you want a cup of tea mate and they were looking at me and i was thinking you're not going to get my money. And so I was thinking, why am I doing this? I, was, I remember actually thinking, why would I do this? Just giving you money. But I thought, no. You know, and I remember these girls, because they were lovely girls with us, you know, they had a chat, they had some tea. They went off, they couldn't speak and they left, didn't take their money. And I remember sleeping quite freely. But something happened to me in New Zealand. I didn't sleep for three days. I, I chose not to sleep for three days. Something really wonderful happened. But that was at the end, like after... But when I was going around America, it was then that I was really prompted by a lovely lady in um, Florida. I've been uh, actually in New Orleans. I've been drowning in Florida. I was a. I don't know for you. I don't know for you. But can you swim? Good. Are you a good swimmer? I guess so. Aussies are good swimmers, but yeah. you know, for me, I couldn't swim. Yeah. But I never told anyone. So I remember being on the beach in Florida, and I'd be there, you know, pretend I could swim with the girls. And I remember, I was. I felt this like my legs being taken. I thought, wow. Oh. And I, I was so full of pride, I couldn't shout out. And now I'm actually taken so far. Hey! I was like a little girl. Help! Help! This Australian guy from Tasmania came out and he said, Les, he said, you, he said, put you, he said, lay back. I'm going to hit you. He said, just lay back. He was going to smack me. I thought, whoa, you know. And he took me and he saved my life. 
I, wow. I was in a rip and I didn't even thank him. I remember actually thinking after, I mean, now in New Orleans and I knew he was in New Orleans in his French quarters. So I just had a bottle of bourbon. I remember I actually was like, I've got to find this guy. Yeah. You know, I've got to thank him. And so basically I'm on my way to thank this guy, but then the first time ever through peer pressure, these Canadians, Americans in New Orleans said, let's try some of this. I thought, no, I'm all right with my smoke. So I got my smoke. No, I'll try this. I thought, no. But in the end, peer pressure, oh, just one puff, you know. I was floating down the street and I'm thinking, wow, this is the, I was quite enjoying the feeling, but this woman came up to me and I remember she's dressed very different like the other girls, you know, very scantily clad, but this woman's dressed really proper. And I remember she looked at me and she said, can I have a word with you? And I thought, yeah, yeah. And she, and she, she basically, she said, would you like to read this? She gave me this piece of paper and I read it. And when I read it, I read halfway down, I got to her name. When I saw this name, I said, oh no, not him again. And she looked at me. So what name do you think's on there? Jesus. I saw. I thought, oh, no, not him again. This voice said, you can't carry on like this. And I remember saying, I know, but I am enjoying myself. Hmm. So I was listening to voices, not knowing where they were from. I didn't realize, yeah. you know, but all I know is this woman said, Would you, can I pray for you? And I thought, you asked me so nicely. How can I say no? <laughs> you know, so yeah. she prayed for me and I thought, wow, I'm on my, I thought I'm going to change, you know, because I've been drinking too much, maybe not too much, but you know, just, and anyway, she prayed for me. Next thing I got to the pub to meet this guy, I was back on the beer. And I remember thinking, oh, it's not for me, that religion. Then me and my sister, we left and we went through Hawaii, went through Canada, went through Mexico, and then we went to Fiji. We got to Fiji. We're on an island. There's an island for every day there. There's 365 <laughs> islands. But I'm on an island and I remember I'd been doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Sexually doing the wrong thing. But anyway, I was thinking, I was in this hut and I never ever felt like I was going to die before. I felt like I was going to die. This thinking, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what it was. All I know is I thought, I'm going to die. I thought I was in my, on my own in a hut in the actual um, Fiji on this island. My sister's in another hut. And I remember, I remember saying, I said, God, I said, if you heal me, I'll stop. Immediately. You got healed. I was healed. What did I do? Back to it. I thought, coincidence. I didn't, re I, you know, just not realize how hard, hard. But anyway, I thought, coincidence. But I carried on. Fingers in my ears and carried on. So I went from Fiji to New Zealand. When I got to New Zealand, we met up with the guy we met up in, in Mexico, Stevie. And we used to call him Chicken Legs, Stevie Chicken Legs. And Stevie was a, a, a backslidden Christian. I didn't know that. All I know is we went through Mexico. It was quite different, you know. We went through Mexico. He invited me and my sister to this uh, house. I'd never been to And he didn't tell me it was Christian. When I got there, I actually remember thinking, wow. Thought this is strange atmosphere. I've not been in a Christian home, but I felt strange atmosphere, you know. I didn't realize what I was entertaining. And I remember my sister at the side of me, and basically there's uh, John next to me, and these uh, Steve, these other people who were in the house that were renting rooms, and then Glenn and Shirley Brickle, you know, beautiful Glenn and Shirley Brickle from New Zealand, who actually loved me and my sister to the kingdom. It was beautiful. Wow. So basically, while I was there, these two girls came up to me and said, oh, you know, have you got anything wrong with you? I thought, no, I'm fine, you know, I'm okay. And they, they said, nothing like, have you, do you, have you got no physical, anything wrong with you? I thought, oh, my knee. And I, my knee, I, I smashed my knee open. I broke my leg when I was 25 and I had pain when it was getting cold and it was always getting me down, you know, the pain. 
these girls next thing they just put their hands on my knee and started praying i thought whatever takes your fancy i thought wow i thought i wish my sister wasn't here because i'm thinking the wrong thing you know yeah. <laughs> but anyway i went in the toilet and there was a bible in there so i came out with my bible head on you know i could be whatever you wanted me to be <laughs> so basically i was i was a chameleon but i was always a people please i pleased anyone and everyone because yeah. it got me the best so i came back and they said do you want to watch a video i thought oh i suppose it's not the type of video i want but anyway they put this the video on barry smith and Barry Smith was there, my sister at the side, and my sister, she's beautiful, my sister, but I'll tell you a story about my sister, it was really just about the power of words. My sister's at the side of me, I used to take her to every voodoo place in America, she loved voodoo, she loved witchcraft, she loved Ouija boards, you know, she, well not Ouija boards, but you know, but she knew also there was something behind it that was not good. Yeah. My sister was actually great with me because I always, I suppose, obeyed her because I got the best, so she was quite controlling. You know, but I didn't realize that for me, I was more controlling because I knew how to control somebody's controlling by yeah. doing. But anyway, yeah. my sister decided, and Barry Smith, I remember he said, and he starts talking about actually the Bible. And I thought, well, I've got a Bible. I thought in my backpack. And he starts talking about the mark of the beast. You know, everyone, whether rich or poor, with a bond offering, receive a mark, either the right hand or the forehead. Without that mark, you cannot buy or sell. He said, let him who know the, his wisdom know the number of the beast, the numbers, the number of a man, the number is 666. And I'm thinking, I can't even organize my backpack. How can you tell me, you know, there's, you know, a one way? I thought, I don't believe that. But then he said, he didn't say in a nasty way, he didn't say in a horrible way. He just said in a lovely way, he said, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you die, you go to a place called hell. And I remember thinking, I don't believe in hell. But I thought, if there is one, I don't want to go there. And then he said, if you don't want to go there, you could pray. W would you like to pray with me now? Well, I was brought up with a bit of religion, I thought, and I felt this embarrassment. So this is how I used to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm 26 now, but when I was 13, I remember on the front of the bus, um, Elaine Marsh, beautiful girl. She never told me, I'm telling you now, Elaine, you were a beautiful girl. I looked at this Elaine Marsh. It wasn't sexual. I'm 13. I'm at the back of the bus on the left. She's at the front. And I used, this is how I used to be. Yeah. I'm looking at her thinking, wow, she's beautiful. Oh, and next thing she turned around and she looked at me. I thought, no, she's looking at me. And she said, Les. So she knows my name. She said, Les. I said, yeah. She said, would you, would you be my boyfriend? I said, no. She said, why not? I said, I've already got a girlfriend. I've never had a girlfriend. But now I was, that, that was the embarrassment. I could feel the same embarrassment on me now. Yeah. And I thought, this, I thought, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this to get rid of embarrassment. Wasn't to receive Jesus. So I thought, I got down on my knees. I, when I got down on my knees, my sisters at the side of me screamed, you can't do this. I'm the wicked sister. They'll know. They'll know. So she said, she said that inside. She told me after. She said, I'll go down and I'll make it look like I'm a good sister. So my sister got down at the side. And so the power of words. And I didn't realize when Jesus says, you know, out the abundance of heart and mouth will speak. A good man will say good things and an evil man say evil things. But I say to you, for every idle word that you speak, you'll give an account in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Yes. So all I know is, I didn't know that, but all I know is I'm just letting these words. And he said, Barry said, admit you're a sinner. I thought, I've said this before. I'm a sinner. Jesus died on the cross. I thought, yeah, I've heard that before. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Yeah, I believe he rose from the dead. I believe I'm a sinner. And then he said, my sister decided, and then he said, ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. I said, oh, I've done that before. I said, Jesus be Lord of my life. Then he said, ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So I said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
My sister said it the same. She said the same words that he asked us to say. When my sister said that, she fell on the floor and wow. she was crying, manifesting. She was, and I, I was embarrassed before, uh, you know, but yeah. now I'm embarrassed because my sister, I think, what's happening? So the next thing, these Christians, beautiful, they said, Les, you don't want to come to our church. And my mum told me about cults. I thought, I'm not going to be a cult. I didn't lie. I said, I've got to go to Australia. I've got a one-way ticket. I've got to go. And I did, but I didn't have to go in the time frame. I said, I just, I thought, I'm not going to the church. I don't mind being here, but no way I'm going to the church. It scared me. I don't know why. I just had this, you know, didn't realize what was controlling me. My sister, she stayed. But it was only two years ago she told me what happened. My sister said that with wicked motive, just purely to look like good sister. She said, Les, you don't realize when I fell down and manifested, you know, she didn't say that when I cried, you know, to me, it's like, oh, I thought, well, she's a blubbery mess, you know, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, gosh, what's happened to you, you know? She said, Les, I saw a vision of Jesus on the cross. And I saw behind him, I could see behind the cross, there was an animal with horns. And I knew it was Satan over my life. Yeah. So that was only a few years ago, she told me. So I didn't know that. Just the yeah. power of words, even though you have false motives yes you know so i'd asked the lord into my life a few times you know with false motives but anyway my sister stayed and i actually left to go to australia then i remember she going, stayed behind she stayed behind she now got a christian fellowship she was getting fed with the oh world. wow she was now so my sister she was a wicked evil woman in a lovely way but you know i say she'd agree with me she's beautiful but she, she used to beat her boyfriend up steve you know steve i remember she used to beat her boyfriend up when she got nasty you know she was but she changed so and you so, came to Australia? I went to Australia. And when I got to Australia, I remember getting to Sydney. And this voice spoke to me very clearly. I remember meeting these guys in the airport. And I was thinking, oh, I don't They were just, from where I come from, just full of foul language. Just, you know, really very vulgar. And I thought, I remember saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And this voice said, you don't want to do this? You're going to be living with these guys. I thought, who said that? Next thing, I'm living with these guys in King's Cross, Woolloomooloo. I'm actually now on the, the every night they went on the beer, and I, they were filling the, you know, just full of bravado, filling the bath up with beers and, you know, cheap beers, throw them in there, get the ice. And, and I was never really much of a drinker, but they'd drink and then they'd go walking down King's Cross to all the pubs. And so I'd do that, but I think, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, because I was just playing, you know, pretending I'm part of the game. Yeah. But I was like, I, thought, I don't know what I want to do. I don't even want to travel now. I'm bored. You know, I thought, it's boring. I'm the same miserable world, you know, the other world. I thought I was going to get some answers. And now I've been around, you know, I thought, I don't know what I want to do, you know. But anyway, I'm walking down King's Cross. I remember actually a woman, and she's actually there, this girl. If I could stand on there, I'd stand. She stood on a, on a bit of a, you know, um, platform. Yes. And she's crying. There's prostitutes, transvestites, you know, me. The red, and she's actually crying, telling people about Jesus. And I'm thinking, wow. She's weird, you know, like, but I was strangely warm towards her. And I remember Johnny came and said, Les, come on, we're on our way for the beer. I said, Johnny, no, I said, what do you think about her? He said, Les, I've no idea what she's talking about, but I tell you what, I admire. She stands up for what she believes in. Yeah. I thought, that's why I like it. I can't stand up for anything. I stood up for nothing. I was never, if you just me music, I'd say, what music do you like? I wouldn't, because I was afraid of telling you that you might not like me. So I'd never, so when I, this woman, I went to the pub and I, I, I suppose I was sneaky. I got to the pub. I said, right, my round. I bought them all beers. I went straight out the back door, ran up the road to find that girl. Yeah. I started talking to her. She took me and I met this guy called Leo Nicotre. That was another story. I remember when I met him, I found $50 on the floor. 
a bit of a question. And I thought, oh, I said, oh, I found $50. Who's is that? And Leo in the coach said, he said, I've been praying for that. And he took the $50. Wow. So anyway, I thought, oh, I'll give him 15. And he starts taking me to a church. And to me, it was like really strange because I didn't realize spiritual stuff. It's like, I don't know. It's in Louis, like freaky, you know. I, I mean, for me, I, I couldn't even freely dance and sing unless I had a beer. They were dancing, singing with, for this Jesus. I thought, man, you're wacky, but I like your freedom. But anyway, so that was a bit of a story. But then I met my girlfriend, my name, my wife, Shirley, in Sydney. At a church? No, no, at a church, no way. <laughs> no, no, we, I wasn't into church. I was actually now still doing, I'd just been to a, um, Annie Lennox concert and we were in Sydney and I met my wonderful wife, Shirley. She came from... Queensland, she was traveling through India back and I was traveling through America. So we met in Sydney and uh, we actually- She was English? Or? Scottish. Scottish. So I'm from England, Shirley's from Scotland. So we met in uh, yeah, 1989 in Sydney. And Shirley wanted to go around Australia. And I remember actually, then I had a motorbike, I had this big car, but I, I remember I couldn't, uh, well actually the boot was that big, I could sleep in it. It was a big Ford thing, but the steering was that bad. I ended up buying a motorbike. So I said, and Shirley wanted to go around Australia. And I remember I said, I'll take you. And so now I had this joy of thinking, I want to, I want to take, I want to do this for you. I don't want to do for me anymore. So we went in Australia on a motorbike. Wow. So we went from Sydney. I didn't know how big Australia was. No idea. I mean, when I came to Australia, it was freezing cold because I had this, I remember buying an old brown jacket. I thought, I can't believe how cold it is. But you know, I'm in Sydney. It was piping hot December. And we left and we went from, um, yeah, from Sydney over to, Melbourne and then to um, Adelaide. Adelaide, then actually over to Perth. And Shirley had an auntie here. Then we would drove all the way up to Darwin. Then wow. with this Aboriginal brother, he was going to show us the grandfather's caves. And so we went up with him. He was in a four wheel drive. We went through to Darwin, went up to Broome, then to Darwin. When we got to Darwin, I got a letter from my sister. And we now bought a ticket to go to on the Grand Trans Siberian Railway to Russia. You know, we we're going to yeah. go to Russia. And now I've got this letter. My sister saying she's getting married. I thought, New my Zealand. sister doesn't get married. She's from New Zealand. I thought, and she said, would you be best man for John? That was her ex-boyfriend. She's getting married to a boyfriend. And I thought, oh. So I, ended up, I remember I was in, in Darwin. I went to this guy. I said, hey, I've got to leave. I said, I had my motorbike. It had a gear sack, tank bag, petrol, water. We went all through the Gibb River Road. All right, you know. But anyway, I'm now in Darwin. And I remember saying, can you take her in my bike? He said, it'll cost you. I said, what will it cost you? Bottle of whiskey. I said, oh, I'll give you whiskey, you know. So I got his address, bought the whiskey, gave him the whiskey after, you know, but I remember trying to get my bike back after her. I've still got rolling assets in Australia somewhere. <laughs> but he never, he never got back to me anyway, but that was just another story that I left. We, we hitchhiked then from left my motorbike, then we hitchhiked down through the center of Australia, through Cooper PD. Shirley stayed in Melbourne. And there she stayed on this horrible, my, sister, my wife's very intelligent woman, very uh, educated, well-educated, but now she's got this job and she's working with people putting on a swinge, putting a little cap on a swinge, on a, you know, a table. Yeah. She stayed there and I went to New Zealand. So I went to New Zealand. When I got to New Zealand, and I was actually, when I first got there, I met the Kiwis and beautiful, friendly people, you know, even, even the drug addicts want to give you the free, Hash, you know, not that I wasn't into yeah. that, but I thought these guys are great. You know, I know I'm into that, mate. You know, they were just so nice. And basically, I, I went to Queenstown. My sister got married, and I thought, she's now praying publicly, openly. I thought, Janet, this is embarrassing. Oh, man. I thought, don't you dare pray near me. That's, I just, I thought, I don't mind you praying, but don't pray near me. It's like, oh, it's like, 
But anyway, obviously she invited me to this place, to a church, and I was going to the church. I remember asking questions. I was fairly straight, you know. I remember going to the church, and I liked the cakes and the biscuits and, you know, just looking around and asking questions. I remember saying to the pastor, I said, why should I go to hell? Because I love what I'm doing. So while I was actually staying in the house, I had that Bible, and I opened it up, and I read it. I hadn't really read the Bible. I said, hey, Warwick, I said, what's a fornicator? And he said, and he told me, he said, anyone has sexual relationships outside of marriage? I thought, that's what I live for. I thought, what's your problem? What's God's problem? You know, so I went to the church thinking, why? You know, I mean, I thought, I'm not. I've got my girlfriend. And I went, and I went to the church. I said to the pastor, why should I go to hell? Because I love what I'm doing. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, the Bible says, you know, no drunkard will enter the kingdom of God. I thought, I love getting drunk, but it says no fornicator will enter the kingdom of God. And I said, I've got my girlfriend, she's in Australia. I'm not with off with anyone else. I didn't tell me the other girls I was thinking about, but you know. Nor, nor are you married to her. I wasn't married, but I said, you know, she likes my body, I like her body. So what's the problem? What's God's problem, you know? Like, yeah. and he looked at me and he smiled at me. And I remember, I actually said inside as an Englishman, I said, you don't love me. I don't know why I said you don't love me. And he changed the subject and he started talking about music and other stuff in the Bible. And I ended up painting the Bible, Bible shop. So they had a Bible shop and I ended up painting it. And I remember actually just, they were great guys, lovely yeah. guys. But anyway, I went to this other church and this was an apostolic church. I remember going to that and I remember there the guys who were dancing and singing for Jesus. I thought, man, you're weird. But I like your freedom. I thought, I wish I had that freedom, you know. So I'm watching them dance. And after I went to the pastor, I said, hey, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, why should I go to hell? Because I love getting drunk. He said, what do you mean? I said, so the Bible says no drunker will enter the kingdom of God. I said, I love getting drunk. I might wake up in the wrong bed, but I'm not harming anyone, you know. So what's, what's your problem? What's God's problem? <laughs> and he looked at me and he smiled the same as the other pastor. I said to him, you don't care for me. So I never said it verbally, I said it inside. I remember I said to the first one you know me, to the second said, you don't care for me. So now I'm actually, don't know why I said that, I just, yeah. but anyway, then, and now my sister went off on a honeymoon and I'm in the bedroom on my own thinking, I'm the same miserable world on the other side of the world, you know, as happy as could be, but I'm, I thought, I just thought I've got to go back home and get a house, car, washing machine, two, I thought, oh no, I thought, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to travel, I, don't, I thought, and I started reading the Bible. Never really read it. And I read Matthew chapter 6, do not worry. And I thought, wow. I never read it. I didn't know who was speaking. But I was, when I said that, do not worry, I thought, I like this. Because at that time, I was never worrying. Yeah. I began to worry. You know why I was worrying? Because I didn't worry. Yeah. I thought there's something wrong with me. Because you know? people were saying, Les, what are you going to do? I thought, don't know. I mean, you, know, you can't carry on like this. And, Obviously, they're telling you, you, they're trying to map your life out. And I was yeah. thinking, and I began to worry, thinking there's something wrong with me. So when he said, do not worry, he said, look at the birds of the earth. And now the toil or spin. And I was watching birds in Queenstown, beautiful place, lovely birds flying. It says, the birds of the earth, and now the toil or spin. Your heavenly father feeds them. Don't even feed you or you of little faith. And I remember what I said. I said, it's all right for you. You've got everything up there, haven't you? I remember saying yeah. that not knowing he's hearing that. Then he says, but why do you worry for these things? Look at the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. Don't think I've dressed you or you of little faith. I just bought a jacket in New Zealand, June. I've never been so cold and I bought this old secondhand jacket and I've said, it's all right for you. I've got to get everything from the secondhand shop. So I'm complaining yeah. again. And it says, but why do you worry for these things? Like the pagans, the unbelievers, they worry for these things all the day long. But you first, 
seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I don't remember that bit, and his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll give you these things. And I'm thinking, wow, this sounds really good. I thought, this is real. I said, I believe. The voice came back clear as a bell. You believe? Give all you've got to the poor and follow me. I had $132 New Zealand dollars. Yes. I thought, it doesn't know about the 3,000 I got stashed away in England. I had 1,000 quid in England. <laughs> I thought, it doesn't know about that. So he said, and I thought, give it to the poor. I thought, so who do you think I gave it to? This <laughs> is beautiful. God's got a good sense of humor. Who do you think I gave the money to? He said, give it to the poor and follow me. A drunk person on the street. You know, I wish I'd actually done that. You know, you know what I did? I thought, give it to the poor. I thought, who's poorer than? I am the poor. Who's poor? I said, I'll buy a Bible with it. I'll spend my money on me. <laughs> but it's beautiful. You know, the Lord didn't show me that till later. So anyway, the beautiful thing is I'm now thinking, you know, I actually didn't, I was going to go and buy a Bible. I'm on the way to the Bible shop and this voice woke me up in the early morning. I remember a voice woke me up. Never been hearing voices before. This voice said, read Matthew, told me the chapter and verse. And I thought, I said, hey, so he's like, is that you God? I said, is that a demon? I said, who's, is that you speaking? I've heard that your words worth more than gold or silver. Because I'd been listening, you know. See, it's more precious than gold or silver. I thought, I'm used to doing good money wealthy. And I thought, if you're true, I'm going to do what you say. And you're going to reward me. Because you said you're going to diligent. If I diligently seek, you're yeah. going to reward me. I thought, I'm going, to, I'm going to find you. And you're going to speak to me. And you're going to bless me. So the thing is, with a real, I'm on the way now. Actually, basically, Something happened to me that after those guys, going just to back a bit, when those guys didn't tell me, I went upstairs in my bedroom because my sister had gone off to get married. I'm in the bedroom and I remember saying, and I'm thinking, I was sneaky, very deceitful, not a drug dealer, but I'm thinking, basically, this God, I feel like he wants me to give up fornication. I thought, but I can't do anything anyway, but he doesn't know that because yeah. my wife, girlfriends in Australia, he doesn't know about that, he doesn't know about, you know, I thought, so I was actually very sneaky thing, I can't do anything anyway, so I remember saying, I said, I'll tell you what, I said, I'll give up women if you're better than women, mm -hmm. and a voice came back and said, you worship creation, not the creator, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I, amazed, I fell in love, I didn't, he was saying to me, he showed me clearly, I would do anything to win a woman's affection. Yeah. You know, as long as I'd do anything, I'd change when I was like a chameleon, whatever, you, if some girl like you in your shirt, I'd change very quickly to put, to modify myself so I'd look like you. So Because if I thought someone liked me, I thought, I just wanted, I was looking for love. I didn't know yeah. it. But I didn't know I was looking for love. And God showed me I'd do anything to try and win a woman's affection. I was worshipping creation. And all of a sudden, he showed me that he made these women. I'm thinking... I didn't know there was a creator. So instead of chasing after women in a nightclub, I'm now, not that I was at that time, but I'm, I started chasing after God in a nightclub. And I ran in the church. I don't know why, but something happened to me. I don't know if it was good, bad, but this is what happened. I ran in this church. I ran in the church where I asked questions. Yes. I went wild. I was so angry. I never, I wouldn't never, I'd never said boo to a, you know, anything really. But now I, I ran in there and I went to the guys and I said, you, and I remember jumping, I was watching myself, watching what I was doing. And I thought, why am I doing this? I, was, I said, you, 
You don't love Jesus. You love this. You love you. And I praise you, your idols, your music, and you, you love this, and you. And I thought, what am I doing? I was watching myself, listening, thinking, and then this one girl, and it was beautiful, this one girl, she's there, and I said, you, you're the only one who's showing any love. She looked at me, and I said, you gave a book to my girlfriend. Shirley came across. Yes. I'd made a commitment to God saying, I'm going to give up women if you're bare. Yeah. Not long after, I get a knock on the door. Who was it? This girl. Shirley came across with two other girls dressed for the nightclub. And I'm thinking, oh, no. I thought, how do I actually tell you? And I could feel a barrier. And that was really the start of Shirley's joy life where I had to then say, I've got actually, you know, uh, I've just fallen in love with a guy, actually. I'm going to get married to this guy. You know, how do you tell someone you're going to get married to a guy called Jesus? I'm now a bride. I mean, it's strange. So really, that was a very strange part. But this girl gave Shirley a book. And so I said to her when I ran in this church, I said, you're the only one who showed any love. She looked at me and she said, you're demon-possessed. And so really, the way I was, it did seem quite, you know, erratic, which... Oh, I wasn't demon-possessed, but I remember the words. I left the church. I wasn't part of the church because I wasn't really part of anything. But that's when the Lord revealed to me, you know, the forces that were controlling me. On a most when did you actually forces. make the move, a proper... When did you have the conversion? Was that a, a conversion moment? or I'd say that was... That yeah, was it. When he said you worship creation and not the creator. Now, let's fast-forward a little yeah. bit because time is not... Yeah, no, that's right? good, yeah. Um, you then you went back to England... Yeah, eventually. Shirley came across to yep. New Zealand. Yes, we actually went went round then, New Zealand. Beautiful people picked us up. And it was just lovely. As a brother and sister, we thought, you know. But did you get married in, well, well, in actually, England? We did, actually. We got married in England, yeah. We got married. And then you decided to move here? Shirley decided to, she wanted to go to Australia. Where was she in her faith? Uh, well, Shirley, when she said she wants to go to Australia, I remember saying to her, little George was three. So were you following? Seven. Were you following the Lord? Then, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. On and your Shirley, own? Oh, well, no, Shirley was still following the Lord. But really, I remember when she said, I'd like to go to Australia. I said, Shirley, you're only in Australia. You need the Lord. She said, yeah, but I already have the Lord. I thought, I know, but I know what's going to happen. She goes, what? I said, I know when you get there, you're going to actually want to come back. And I know that you... And so basically it started a bit of an argument. I thought, I remember how Georgia was crying, she was three, and I remember going, I said, Lord, you know what? I don't, I don't really know what I should do, but I remember Georgia's crying. I play my guitar and I remember saying, Lord, if it's your will, I'd like to go to Australia because you said I've got to lay my life down yes. for my wife like you laid your life down for the church. I said, I don't want to go to Australia, but, you know, and actually my motive, I thought, but I would like to warn the Australians about really the mark of the beast because I was really concerned about what yes. was happening. So I thought, if it's your will, we'll I'll go. go. Shirley opened the door and it was mad. She actually got, get it, did everything, bought the tickets. And the beautiful sense of humor is we bought the house number 66 Ribchester Drive. We bought number 68. And next thing we were homeless because it wasn't the right house. I bought number 66. So I bought number 66 thinking it's the wrong house because the Lord spoke to me very clearly through this word, Isaiah 66. And I remember reading, heaven's my throne, earth is my footstool. Where yes. is the house that you'll build me? Upon all these things I've made, but upon this man when I look of him who is a humble and contrite spirit and trembles at my word. And I remember I said, I used to tremble at your word, Lord. I don't tremble anymore. 
So obviously I'd maybe waned a bit, you know. But the thing is, next thing I'm thinking, 60, I thought, oh, I shouldn't have bought this house. Then the Lord showed me how many books in the Bible. 66, <laughs> I thought, this is, I, I, I have got thought. And then I thought, I want to go to Australia and warn the people. So what do you think my ticket number was? I'm not, the ticket office number was 66 and the number of the ticket, at the end was six, six, six. Yeah. I thought, wow. So for me, it was a joy to come yeah. here. And my wife, she came and the beautiful thing, after a year, Shirley, remember she said, I want to go back home. I said, what? And she said, it's your fault. I said, why, Shirley? She goes, because you knew what was going to happen. You didn't stop me. I said, Shirley, no. She said, what do you mean? I said, no, you're not going back. She said, what do you mean? I said, because I know if you go back to Scotland, you want to come back and they won't let you in. I said, you must get your residence first, then you could go back. And I said, if you if you chase me and you catch me, I'll let you go back. I've never seen my wife run so fast. She ran and I couldn't help you. She caught me <laughs> when she wants something. You know, it was beautiful. So we actually, we do go back regularly, but she stayed here. Where are you now? Um, you got a couple of kids? Two, three children, three Georgia, children. Gabrielle and Joe. Georgia, 27, she was three at the time when we came here. So 24 years ago, came here, maybe, yeah. But and, uh, Gabrielle, 27, and Joel, 22. He's at home doing his studies for his uh, geology. And you're ministering in uh, uh, transition homes, in rehab? Yes, I met Kendall in the prisons, and uh, Kendall Staines, beautiful yeah. man of God. And yeah. We've had I remember here. visiting Kendall in prison, 2009 or 10, and then when he came out and I went to his, uh, he invited me to the home that he first got took charge of, I used to play the guitar, and then he went to Joshua's, and now he's still actually called Church Happens, actually, which is now above the train station in Perth. Wow. You know, they have 6.30, have a bit of a nosh, and then play the guitar, sing some songs, and just... Whenever you come together, give a, a give What's a, next for you? Please. Well, I was thinking uh, the law's coming back soon, so I suppose I've not really got any agenda, no. As far as goals, my wife keeps saying you've got no goals. I don't, I just know I keep on that straight and narrow. So I suppose, See, yeah. No more agendas. I've not got an agenda. I don't, well, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. You've got a song for us. I have, yeah. Oh, that's just, the song basically, yeah, this song. I was staying with Liz Malensky, beautiful woman. She used to remind me of my mum because she used to tell me the truth. She let me stay in New Zealand as long as I, as long as I paid for food. She, had, she was in a wheelchair. Yeah. She said to me this one day, she said, would you like to listen to a song? And I said to her, none of it's anything to do with you. Thank you very much. I thought, because now there's a barrier between us. And I didn't realize I was actually asking her all these Bible verses and I was convicting her, but she never told me. But prior to that, she used to tell me the truth, but there's yeah. a barrier. So I wasn't particularly wanting to listen, but she played the song. This is the song, and it's the song of the blind man, chap John chapter 9. Okay. You know the story? Yes. Beautiful. The, the blind man, you know, he's there, and Jesus was there Bastard with his Mays. disciples. No, Jesus yeah, was there with his disciples, and he actually said, and his disciples said, Lord, was this man born oh, yes. blind because of his sin or his father's sin? And Jesus said, neither. He was born blind because to give glory to God. He said, yeah. bring him over. He made mud pies. You know, yes. clay pies, washed them, put them on his eyes and go and wash in the river Siloam. So basically the guy goes and washes, next thing he comes back and he can see. And obviously the people were actually saying, is that him? That looks like the blind man. Yeah, it's me. They didn't believe, but they took him to the Pharisees and the story is beautiful. You know, the Pharisees said, this man can't be from God. This is the Sabbath. He, God doesn't do this. And That's so right. basically the blind man now is saying, well, you know, we don't believe you're born blind. So they brought the mum and dad. The mum and dad knew that if they confessed Jesus, they'd be thrown out of the church. So for fear of the Jews, they were asked, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. How can he now see? Well, I don't know why he can see or who made his eyes. You know, now he can see. We don't know, but he's of age. Ask him yourself. So they asked the blind man again. When they asked him again, he said, 
you ask me again, he said, he starts saying, do you also want to be his disciples? You know, <laughs> they said, you were born in sin and now you're trying to teach us. Because all I know is I was born blind and, and I now I can see. I so whether this man's a sinner or not, I don't know. But all I know is, and they really, they threw him out. So this is the story really of the blind Wonderful. man. Yeah, so. And when this song's played, she played, I cried like a baby. Never cried before. Didn't cry when my dad died. I'm crying like a baby. And I thought she did it on purpose. I was now saying, you done it on purpose. I thought she was going to go past and laugh at me, you know, because I'm so full of pride. But now that's the start of really when emotional freedom came. The story of the blind man. Now it's hard to describe what my life used to be to someone who's always been able to see. You know I wasn't unhappy or bitter that way But everything's changed since I met him that day I was down by the corner just passing the time Sending the sunlight and feeling it shine When the sound of a crowd began to go in my ears So I waited as I listened as I heard them draw near then a man stepped up to me and he spat on the ground Put some mud in my eyes and slid it around Send me off to Siloam to wash off the clay I opened my eyes and I looked at the day I had no idea how he did it I just know what happened to me Cause yesterday I was in darkness but since I met him, I can see. When the Pharisees heard it, they put me on trial. Even calling my parents and grilled them a while. But when at the end I defended the man, it opened my eyes, all the trouble began. I said ever since the beginning of time Man's opened the eyes of someone born blind This man sent from God just can't be denied But they cursed me and grabbed me and threw me outside I really don't know how he found me But I know talking to me It was easy to tell by the sound of his voice he was the reason I'd see And as soon as he spoke to me I couldn't hide The emotions that welled up from deep down inside Combined with the dreams that he'd made to come true To kneel and worship was all I could do I call him my Lord and Messiah For everything he's done for me Yesterday I was in darkness, but since I met him I can see. I call him my Lord, my Savior, everything he's done for me. Yesterday I was in darkness, but since I met him I can see. Since I met him, since I met him. Since I met him, I can see. Since I met him. Since I met him. Since I met him, I can see.
God is so good. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Tell his family. <laughs> he loves you so. He loves you so. Yeah. Hallelujah. That song, I was taken, I was on the streets. It's like I was taken on the streets. Yeah. I was with Jesus. I was that blind man. I didn't realize God showed me. I was now I was blind and now I could see just like the blind man. But I didn't realize I was in my sin. I didn't realize I was separated from God because of my sin. Now I could see. And it was beautiful. Things came alive. It was so beautiful. But I realized that self was always the issue. And recently, the beautiful thing, I don't know if you know, but the Lord says, he said to all the people, everyone and the disciples said, if anyone wants to come and follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. He said, if you want to keep your life, you'll lose it. You'll lose it. If you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you'll save it. What does it profit you, a man, if you gain this whole world, yet lose your own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this evil and adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed when I return in the glory of my father with the angels. And I realized, you know, I thought I used to be so ashamed of Jesus. Ashamed even to say, you know, like closet Christian, you know, you get a lot of closet people come out the closet, tell them your faith, tell them what you believe. People now are confessing what they believe, which is definitely wrong, but they've got the grace yeah. or the courage that they have, not grace. It's like they're fighting against the conscience and they tell you who they are. But we, it's like, we find it very, I'm a, I'm a, I love, I love, <laughs> yeah, it's just, and I realize, you know, Jesus clearly says, you do not fear those who kill your body, but rather fear God. And he's beautiful. He loves us. You know, he's, he's Mate, lovely. Thank you so, so much. No, this has been beautiful. Really appreciate you coming yeah. and showing this. Well, I didn't yeah. think you saw that coming, eh? No. With the worship and everything and the song and the beautiful story that Les has brought for us. Uh, pass this content to others so they can grow and be inspired to carry on the good work. God is working when we realize and even when we don't, he's there always working. Amen. Maybe you have people in your life who are yet to know the Lord. Don't give up on them. Just keep sharing and keep believing. God will do great works in their lives. And sometimes you don't really need an agenda just like Les. But just go for it. Just yeah. worship God and praise his name. Hope to see you next week at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I am Nathaniel Costia. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.